So good evening. And for, first and foremost, I'd like to thank you guys for, for, for being here tonight and for having me here tonight. You know, God is not a respecter of persons. What God has done for me, he'll do for you and he'll do for anyone. God loves all of us and God has no grandchildren. God only has sons and daughters. Amen? Amen. So the year was 1953. Now, I'm not old enough to be from 1953, so you know that this is not about me so far. But 1953 was an interesting year for Carlos. It was, uh, it was a, a hot summer day in Cuba in July, and Carlos was riding around Cuba on his horse, and he decided to go down to the lake and take a swim. See, Carlos was kind of a loner. Carlos was from a broken home. Mom and Dad had gotten a divorce, and Carlos was an angry young man. Carlos was the kind of guy who used to pick fights with everybody, and, and if he didn't get to win, well, he'd just either hit somebody and leave or, or, or beat somebody up. It's not like, you know, he needed a program. But uh, so this day, Carlos decided that he was going to go swimming with his horse. So Carlos would go into the lake, and in Cuba, everybody knows Cuba to be a, a beach place, but there are many lakes in Cuba. And he, would, he went to swimming in this lake, and, and this horse would walk up and down the shore, protecting the shore. And if anybody would go near the lake while Carlos was swimming, the horse would go bite him. Very, not, not a nice horse. So Carlos went swimming, and, and, and finally he decided he was a little hungry, so he was going to go by his mom's house to eat something. So he went to mom's house and, you know, riding his horse and pulled up at mom's house. And mom, mom is happy to see Carlos because, of course, mom and dad had been divorced for quite some time. And, and, uh, and you know, and, and uh, Carlos went to go see his mom. And, and there's a guy sitting there on the couch and leaning against the, the couch as a guitar. And the guy was kind of ragged out, man. He had some... He didn't have shoes on. He had socks and they had holes in them and his pants wouldn't kind of fit, right? And his mom says, Carlos, you know, would you like to hear a song? Would you like to hear uh, the blind man play a song for you? And uh, in Cuba at that time, blind folks, what they did, uh, y'all, was they would sell pencils or they would, they, would play, they would play guitar to make money. You know, uh, the Bible would call it to, to get alms, I guess, you know. And, uh, and Carlos said, play me a song. <laughs> Why do you even have this blind guy in your house? He said, if I ever had a blind, a blind child, I'd kill it at birth. Well, Carlos's family was very affluent in that small town of Camagüey, Cuba. And Carlos saying that was very shocking. Well, I know this story is absolutely true. And I'll tell you how I know this story is absolutely true. Because just a little less than 10 years later, Carlos became my dad. Yeah. It was a little over 18 months ago that my dad told me that story with tears streaming down his face saying, Mikey, I, I, you know, you have no idea how many times I would look at you and wonder, was God punishing me for what I said? And I just said, God, you know, touch this man and help him understand, God, the glorious work that you've done in my life. And the Lord gave me some scriptures, and I want to share them with you. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to, uh, to the Gospel of John, chapter 9. And I have Keith here with me, and he's going to read. Because the print's too small on his phone for me to read. Um, and, uh, but uh, I'd like you to read. We're going to read John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. It says, uh, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, 
It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Amazing, huh? I'll tell you, you know, now I came across that scripture after becoming a Christian at 28 years of age. Before that, I ran around on the streets. I was looking for an identity. My father's supposed sin, his fear of God, his not understanding that we serve a merciful, loving God separated him from being able to spend quality time with his son. So his son ran around in gangs and sold drugs and did music and looked for acceptance wherever he could find it. And that was the story of my life until I was 28 years old and I found myself with a broken marriage. I mean, I thought I had it all at that time. And as I tell people, that's when uh, Jesus showed up and showed me who he was and who I wasn't. And that was uh, a number of years ago. And you know, I've, I've, I became a Christian and, and, and everything turned out right, right? You know, I lived happily ever after and here I am and I'm sitting here because everything's just fantastic. Well, I don't know about all that. Actually, I'm sitting here because, you know, my own feelings of unworthiness, my own feelings of self-hatred. A blind person is, is, is immediately judged upon sight. We're either very amazing or we're very pitiable. It's never just, oh, Mikey's just that, that regular old guy, you know. No, no, no. Amazing blind guy. Why? Because he got dressed this morning. <laughs> you know, I mean, or poor Mikey, you know. I mean, no matter what happens, no matter what you do, no matter how you fail, it's immediately, well, he's blind. What do you expect? You know, so it's very, very difficult to walk in that society's expectation. How many people here have dealt with what society expects of you and trying to live up to people's standards. You know, well, God says that you're accepted in the beloved. You know, you don't need to live up to a standard. God sets the standard. In fact, God said that if you walk and you accept my standard, you don't need to worry about anything because I've already accepted you. I accepted you before the foundation of the earth. Amen? So there's no need. You know, and, and as I got into the church... And, and I started dealing with the church. People would say, well, you know, brother, I, I love, I love your, your tenacity. And I love the fact that you're just so excited about the things of Jesus. But don't you believe God to relieve you of your affliction? Affliction? There's not an affliction around here. I don't, are you talking about me? Really? Really? And, I, and I've, I found myself pointing out to many a church person, because even in, even in the church where, it, where, where folks mean so well, has it ever crossed your mind that God allowed me to be blind so that he could glorify himself in my life? Yeah, well, I know about John 9, 1 through 3, but that was that guy, really. Okay, so let's, let's, let's do a little test here. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 4. And we're going to go back here to 411. So what we call the 411 on blindness. There we go. Exodus 411 says, The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Oh, we got a theological problem, folks. Doctrinal problem. So wait a minute. Isn't it an affliction? No, God says that he... It's, it's he who did it. And is God going to bring sickness upon us for absolutely no reason? No, God's got a purpose. All things work for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Right? So, what does that mean? 
That means that God's got a purpose, but first we've got to seek that purpose. The first thing that we need to do to get with God's purpose, of course, is to invite him into our lives. So if you don't know Jesus Christ today, may I invite you to ask him into your heart today? You can never get clean enough to come to Jesus. I tell people, you know, Jesus cleans his fish after he catches them. Amen? So you can never get clean enough to come to Jesus. Jesus will clean you up, man. If you come to God and just, it's a come-as-you-are party, man. You just say, God, here I am. Take me. I'm yours. I want you to take my trashy life. I want you to take all my hurts, habits, and hang-ups, God. Here you go. Take them. Thank you, Jesus. And now he's going to give me a joyous song on my lips. He's going to give me a praise on my tongue. And he's going to give me a purpose, a good plan, he said, for me. And not to harm me. But what do we need to do? Well, you know, some of you guys may have noticed. I walk around with a dog. You see, and he's just lying there. He's a good dog, isn't he? You know, now, what is the first thing that we notice about this dog? Besides the fact that he's really cute, he's wearing... A uniform. He's wearing, he's wearing a yoke. You know what a yoke does? This yoke, this is actually the way that I walk with this dog. So when him and I are walking, hurry up. When we're walking and we've got a purpose, forward, you see, we're connected. You see? So wherever I go and I tell him he needs to go, backwards, back up. Good boy, sit. Good boy, down. Good puppy. Now you see, he's very calm. And all he's going to do is he's going to keep his eye on the master. You see, to see what the master's going to do. Because when he's holding on to the yoke, and he's in the yoke, right? He's about his master's purpose. In fact, the interesting thing about, about service dogs and guide dogs in particular, when they're wearing their yoke or their harness, they're taught that whatever is Holding on to it is part of them. So Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you, for it is light. Now how many people here have a yoke? And how many people have put that yoke down and said, You know, I don't want the yoke of addiction. I don't want the yoke of hang-ups, habits, and hurts. Jesus, give me your yoke. Let me put that on. And he said in, 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 in Matthew eleven thirty, for it is light. It is light. And you see, when, when you're wearing your master's yoke, then anything he needs you to do, understand, I could go wherever I needed to go. I mean, I can hold on to somebody's arm. I can walk with a cane. But I choose to take my dog and put him in the yoke and walk with him and be connected. Now, I'm going to show you something real interesting. Watch. Come here, Hurley. Now, if I take this yoke off the dog, what you doing, buddy? Huh? He's a good puppy. Look at him. He's a now. 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 Does he look like the same dog now? He looks like a regular old dog, doesn't he? Looks like a regular old dog because he's not about his master's purpose. You see, he's just a regular old dog. If you saw him and you let him go. If we let him go, right? If, yeah, yeah. See, look, watch. Now he's a regular old dog. Look at that. Look at that. You see? But the thing about that dog is that right now he's out of control. Yeah. He's out of control. Hurley, come. 
and he may or may not listen to the master's voice. <laughs> Hurley, come. Come here. You see? Come here, buddy. Hurley, come. Good puppy. Now, you see, when Hurley goes out to play in the yard, okay, he runs around and he runs up and down the fence and he'll pee on the fence and he'll bark at other dogs. Come here, dude. Put your yoke back on, man. But now, you see, now he's back about his master's business. Okay, when he's out playing in the yard and somebody comes by, he's going to bark at him, woof, 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 woof. You know, but after a little while, when the master's inside the house, he'll come and he'll start sniffing at the door and he'll start barking and he'll start jumping because he knows that he was created for a bigger purpose. You know, because he'll start to look at the other dogs and he'll say, I'm not like those other dogs. I was created, I was trained from when I was a puppy to serve my master. I was trained from when I was a puppy to do what my master wants me to do. Even if, even if my master doesn't have anything for me to do right now, I just want to lie at his feet. I just want to wait for him to call on my name. I just want him to give me a purpose in my life because that's what I was created to do, amen? That's what this is all about. Put on God's yoke today. Ask God, God, what is my yoke? What is your plan? You promised it was light. You promised it would fit me perfect like a glove. You promised me that it was a good plan. Not to hurt me. Not to harm me. And you say that you have a purpose for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise this wonderful day. Lord, we thank you for your purpose. We thank you for, we thank you for your plan for your children. Father, we thank you that you never gave up on us. Father, that you sent your son Jesus Christ to give his life for us, to do what we could not do. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've uh, that you used this testimony to touch someone tonight. Lord, I pray that this word go out. Lord, your word says that your word will never come back void and that you are watching over your word to perform it. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you tonight to convict those, Lord, that do not know you. Lord, bring them to your feet. Show them you have a plan for them. Lord, those of us who have fallen away, Lord, those of us who have backslidden, Lord, bring us back with your love, with your kindness. Father, give us the peace that surpasses all understanding that in the midst of our trials, Lord, we know that you are right there with us. And, Father, we promise to give you the honor, the glory, the praise. In Jesus' name, Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we give you thanks. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.